We appreciate you tuning in to another episode of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. And let's not waste any time. What we're going to talk about tonight, first things first, to you, the listeners, and the commenters out there, I'm going to be answering some of the questions you shot my way earlier this morning, as well as give you my thoughts on my Twitter poll earlier this morning as well with MJ Melendez and the struggles that he has. Is he fixable? What can the Royals do in the second half? That'll be coming up in our second segment here on Locked On Royals. And lastly, another draft prospect that I like going into Sunday's Major League Baseball draft. It'll be Maryland's Matt Shaw, who had 24 bombs on the season. Is he the right pick for Kansas City? All of that Royals talk coming up next in this edition of Locked On Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making Lockdown Royals your first listen every day in regards to these Kansas City Royals. You can check it out on all of our podcasting platforms. Yes, that's Spotify, that's Apple Podcasts, that's Amazon Music. And also follow along on YouTube, where we'll always be posting a live camera shot of the shows we're doing uh, right now as well. Just be sure to hit that subscribe button and comment any questions that you may have. And a shout out to today's title sponsor, in sleeper are you into fantasy baseball well i'll give you some of my picks coming up later on tonight for the nightcap games and if you should pick those players going into play fantasy baseball so sleepers our title sponsor today more on that coming up later on in the show but i thought this would be perfect to kick off tonight's show with opening it up really to you the listener because i do this a lot on twitter and if you follow me on twitter you've seen me do this before And of course, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 1-5. I wanted it to be open to the listeners, to my Twitter followers, of what we wanted to discuss tonight. And I also suggested that write-ins are allowed. I was going to give four options of what we're going to talk about tonight. Our winner from that Twitter poll will be our second segment tonight, and MJ Melendez. What's his problem? What's the fix? And really, is he fixable? How can the Royals correct his sophomore slump in the second half of the season? But when you look at some of the write-ins that we got, I thought it was a perfect time to really address that too in the first part of our show. Because just because I give you four options to choose from, or I may have something in my mind or my head of what I want to talk about, I think you, the listener, also are very entitled to suggesting things you want to hear about. It's a long season, and this has been a very brutal season for the Kansas City Royals. There's not going to be a cut-and-dry platform or cut-and-dry list that we have every single night of what we want to talk about. I'm always able to adjust. I'm able to go on the fly, which is why I wanted to open it up to the Twitter followers out there to give me any questions they really have, because I think a lot of people out there do still have questions about this team and would rather have their questions answered than me ramble on about things that only I want to hear about, that only I want to talk about. And when your team's only won 25 games and they've lost 62, you need more content to talk about. And as I always say to conclude our shows that it's you, the listeners out there, it's you, the followers that make this possible. I don't have a podcast 
I don't have a following unless you were eager to hear about this baseball team or eager to hear about my opinions. That's important to me. And I don't take that lightly, which is why I always want to give my followers, my listeners, really sometimes a couple segments. It, maybe it's just one. Maybe it's two. If it's really dragging on, it's a long losing streak. And we've already talked about the losing before. Maybe you can shoot me an off-the-wall question. I'm never going to hesitate to respond. I'm always going to find a way to like that message, keep it bookmarked, and try to find a way to fit it in tonight's show, which is why for our first segment, I do want to give a shout-out to two of the commenters on the Twitter poll earlier this morning, and that was Chance and Jackson. And I responded to this on Twitter and said, they're going to be a part of the first segment. I am going to answer the questions that they shot my way. So let's kick it off here with Jackson's question. I believe he was the first one to reach out and want to know my opinion, my thoughts on Nick Prada. Now, Jackson tweeted this at me, and he said, what's more likely to happen? Nick Prado's strikeout percentage going down or Nick Prado's home run numbers going up? Nick Prado has been pretty good in this series against Minnesota. He had the game-tying home run in the eighth inning in game one of this series. He also drove in a, another run in that game. He had a sacrifice fly yesterday in the 4th of July matchup. So he's had three runs driven in the last two games. It has been a pretty tough stretch for him. When he first came back up to Kansas City, you know, I'm not really going to count that first call up because he wasn't here that long. But the second time he was called up to Kansas City, he really took off. Then he's thrust into this starting spot in the lineup where he's playing first base every day instead of Vinny Pasquantino. He's leading off. And you're asking yourself, is this a spot that he can thrive in? He's got power. He's got pop. And I imagine when the Royals drafted him back in 2017 with their first round pick, they envisioned a great defensive first baseman in kind of the second coming of Eric Hosmer, if you will. You're going to put him third in the lineup. You're going to put him clean up. But I think we've seen that Nick Prado's best spot is one or two in the lineup. Maybe you want to drop him down a little bit because Michael Garcia has been thriving at the top spot. Bobby Wood Jr. has been pretty good in the two hole. And with Vinny Pasquantino out, you put Salvador Perez at the three or four spot. But Nick Prado, to me, is such an interesting hitter, such an intriguing hitter. And to answer Jackson's question, pretty simply, I think it's more likely the strikeout numbers go down here. Because I do believe that Nick Prado's power numbers are there. I think he's got some pretty good pop in that bat. But I'm not sure I ever see a 25 to 30 home run guy. To me... He feels like, number one, a great defensive first baseman. And he's a guy that's going to try to watch a lot of pitches. When he's struggling, that's a lot of strikeouts because he's watching a lot of called third strikes. And that is an aspect of Nick Prado's game you kind of live with, right? You can't get the best of both, both worlds. When you have a guy that's trying to figure himself out at the big league level, you can't just say, well, be good at everything. You know, make sure you walk a lot and don't strike out a lot. That's a no-brainer. Every prospect wants to do that at the big league level. But I'm just not sure I see a power surge from Nick Prado. If anything, as he matures, I think that those strikeout numbers are going to go down a little bit. I think right now, in his mind, he's trying to transform the way the Royals do things. And it's not a bad thing whatsoever. The Royals have been taught, in their entire system for that matter, that you got to put the ball in play. Don't strike out, put the ball in play. It doesn't matter if it's soft contact, if it's a bunt, just put the ball in play. But Nick Prado was kind of one of the first, if not one of the few, that adjusted their approach back in 2019, I believe it was, 
where he was struggling, striking out a lot. The power was there, but the average wasn't there. The on-base wasn't there. And once that changed for him and he became an on-base guy, it makes things easier for you at the plate. We discussed this with Bobby Wood Jr. that the more pitches he sees, the more hittable pitches you're going to get. The ones that you really like. If you're swinging first pitch, second pitch, third pitch, well, then that's going to be a big problem. Because when you're slumping and you're not seeing any pitches, well, the on-base percentage is going to plummet. Nick Prado, even in that slump, I still think had those games where he could walk twice. He could have productive A-Bs. But if you're asking me what's going to happen in the second half, I'd imagine the strikeout numbers go down a little bit. Because I'm sure the hitting coaches, and that's Alex Zumwalt, that's Keone Duran, are going to tell him, you still got to be aggressive at the plate. You can't go up there looking for walks all the time. You adjust to that. If there's not hittable pitches, you're not swinging. You know, I love how Nick Prado is usually taking 3-0. Can't say the same for everybody in the lineup. To me, though, I'm not sure I see a big-time power surge. If he beefs up even more, more of a launch angle comes from it, that velocity stays pretty true, then I think there will be a power surge. But right now, I think the most likely thing for Nick Prado is that he's going to have those strikeout numbers dip down a little bit because he's striking out way too much right now. He's still walking a decent bit, but if you're going to be a big strikeout, big walk guy, you got to have some of that power. So I'd imagine the strikeout numbers go down, walk rate stays about the same, and then hopefully that average on-base percentage continues to grow a little bit. The next question I want to answer before we hit our first break here is from Chance and what the Royals' five-man rotation is going to look like on September 1st. This is a great question from Chance because there are guys I want to see in this rotation I've already voiced my opinion on on Austin Cox. I think Austin Cox is a bullpen guy. I think he's a guy you can start transitioning to the back half, give you an inning or two, maybe work in long relief. I just don't think I see a rotational guy there. The guy throwing tonight for Kansas City and Alec Marsh, not sure that I see a long-term fit there either. I think that's another bullpen guy. I think Brady Singer and Daniel Lynch will be there. Assuming he stays healthy, I think Angel Serpa is going to be there on September 1st. You know, Jordan Lyles or Zach Greinke is going to be there. I'm not so sure that both are. Zach Greinke just went on the injured list today. It kind of feels like that's going to be a little bit longer just because he's not been pitching well. He is aging at this point. I mean, 40, 41, 42 coming up for him. I don't think I can see Zach Greinke pitching that much longer this season for Kansas City. As for Jordan Lyles, uh, I mean, he's under contract. That's the thing here. Unless they move him, the Royals aren't going to be paying him this money to throw out of the bullpen. They'd much rather put some of their younger rookies in the back end of that bullpen to piece it together. So I think Jordan Lyles is there with the other three and Brady, Brady Singer, Daniel Lynch, and Angel Serpa. And then I'd imagine that Alec Marsh is going to be there. I know I said that he's more of a back-end bullpen guy, but I'd rather see Austin Cox be leveraged into a bullpen spot than I would Alec Marsh. Like, I, I really think Austin Cox can succeed. I'd like to maybe see a little bit more out of Alec Marsh uh, just because he's a little bit younger, and I think that if you could get something out of him, maybe you do have a guy in the rotation. He's got big strikeout stuff. I thought he looked okay-ish against the Dodgers. I'd like to see him maybe in that fifth spot. So, Overall, my five-man rotation going into September 1st, I'd imagine Brady Singer and Daniel Lynch are 1-2 pretty locked in there, assuming they stay healthy. I think Angel Serpa 
uh, gets that third or fourth spot. Jordan Lyles will be there as well, assuming they don't trade him. And then I bet Alec Marsh is that fifth man. They probably can adjust that too. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough can make a couple of starts. You could go Austin Cox there. You could go Alec Marsh. You could go back to an opener role. A lot of different options you can go with. But Chance, that's what I would say is the five-man rotation on September 1st. I think it's going to be a drastic change. I don't think they're going to have anybody really jump to the big league level like a oh a Noah Cameron's not going to just jump from high A to double A to triple A. I don't think anybody like a Chandler Champlain's going to. You need to keep those guys in the minor leagues. You know, start to load them up in double A Northwest Arkansas. Try your luck in spring training next year. I don't think there's going to be a lot of changes in that rotation. On Hill Serpa is probably the big name for me uh, moving forward in September that joins the big league rotation. In fact, I think that he might join the big league rotation right after the All-Star break. I think he's going to be healthy enough. I'd hope they'd give him that spot rather than Ryan Yarbrough, but we know how the Royals work. Sometimes it's not the guys you want. It's the guys they just feel more comfortable with. When we come back here on Locked On Royals, don't go anywhere because this was what everybody wanted to hear about. What's going on with MJ Melendez in the sophomore slump? Is it fixable? Is there still a high ceiling for him? And what the Royals can do to help him out a little bit. All that coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Again, that's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And want to give a shout out to today's sponsor, in sleeper are you into fantasy baseball well i have the perfect app for you do you want to really increase your money on daily fantasy baseball sleeper is now offering up to a hundred times the payout for up to an eight pick contest choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs strikeouts hits and more get your picks right and you could win big now i'm going to give you a couple guys that i like tonight if you want to take my opinion if you don't I totally understand it. You may not know me as well just yet. And I'm not going to say I'm a guru at making some of these fantasy baseball bets. But I do like Alex Cobb tonight for the San Francisco Giants going up against the Seattle Mariners. I would bet on him to go more than five innings and collect over four and a half strikeouts there. And then with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I'm going to go with their phenom and Corbin Carroll. I expect him to collect each a hit and a stolen base. So at least one hit for Carroll and one stolen base who you could argue is the fastest guy in baseball. So you can do all of that on today's official sponsor of Lockdown Royals. That would be Sleeper. So be sure to go check it out and make your picks today. I put out the Twitter poll early this morning for a reason, because I was trying to go over a couple ideas in my head, go over a couple segment ideas in my head, and I kept landing on MJ Melendez. I, I tweeted this out in game one against Minnesota that, MJ Melendez needs a hard reset. I think he needs the all-star break more than anybody else. No, he is that guy for me that needs to be corrected. I think the approach is bad. He's flailing at a lot of stuff. He's only homered twice since early May. That simply can't be happening for a guy that's striking out as much as he is. Now, the triple slash is ugly over his last 30. And the overall numbers for MJ Melendez have been disastrous. I mean, you look at the 209 batting average. I know batting average isn't everything here. You look at the war, negative 1.1. The OBP is under 300. The slug's under 340. It's bad right now. I mean, it is really, really ugly for MJ Melendez. And I think the hard question the Royals are going to have to ask themselves is if he's really a future fit. 
You know, how many guys can make that transition from a really struggling baseball player, both at the plate and in the field, and turn into a guy that you expect to be a part of your core? I think last year, we all loved watching MJ Melendez at the plate. The the average wasn't there. The on-base numbers weren't really there, but the power was there. And I would be okay right now with a sophomore slump from MJ Melendez if one of two things were going on. One, if he had really transitioned into a great, and I mean a fantastic, defensive outfielder. If he's a fantastic defensive outfielder and struggling at the plate, I can live with it. Something is going right for a guy like him. On the other hand, if he's not performing well in the field, he's not performing well really offensively, at least I want to see the walk numbers pretty high or the power numbers there, right? If he's crushing 15, 16 bombs at this point in the season, pacing for over 25, that's fine with me. I can work with that. I can you know, try to put more players around him through free agency or through trade down the road. Maybe he can be a middle of the bat type of lineup. The unfortunate reality is nothing is going right. He's a well below average right fielder. And I know that's a very tough adjustment going from catcher to a corner outfield spot. Like he, for the most part, hasn't been eye test wise a complete disaster. There's been moments, don't get me wrong, but that's a tough adjustment. You're a catcher, you're athletic enough, but now you're moving into an incredibly tough outfield spot to play. Right field is not like it was in Little League. Now you're trying to, to read how to handle a slice. You're trying to read how where, where the wall is, how to track balls down how to make the right throw to the right base, all of that. No, and MJ Melendez was learning that arguably for the first time. I, I wasn't there and watching him grow through that spot. I wasn't there the first day they brought it up to him and said, you're going to be playing an outfield spot. But the reality is he's not a major league outfielder. He's a major league outfielder for this team because they're trying to get something out of him. But the defensive numbers are bad. The on-base numbers are bad. The average is bad. The power is bad all around. So now you ask yourself, back to the Royals here, you ask yourself, is there a future fit? If there is, I think you have to make the tough decision here to send him down to Omaha. I think you let MJ Melendez go back, adjust some things, not try to figure it out at the big league level, just flailing away every single night. You adjust some things, you get a better approach. That can work wonders. It really can. It takes some pressure off you. You're not in the limelight every single night. You go back down to the AAA, find your power, reconnect with that approach, and then you go from there. I can't really say there's going to be a lot that changes defensively, but that's where we are in 2023. I'd much rather see the offensive numbers improve. But I don't know how they're going to improve right now. And now I'm kind of convinced with those that follow me on Twitter and were commenting on this post of maybe he does need to go down to Omaha. The reset for him is not just a week off. A reset for him is going down for about a month, figuring out that approach, and then coming back up to Kansas City. I can't really say that the Royals have the depth to replace him in the lineup, but there's not much to replace there right now. There's not enough offensive production where I'm truly fearful of missing MJ Melendez's bat in the lineup. I think he's a great kid. He's a great clubhouse guy. I think he can be a team leader. I believe there's a future for MJ Melendez, but a lot needs to change. And I don't think he's got a year or two to prove that. He's a young player, but the Royals are going to need to have some urgency here. 
if he can't be an everyday big leaguer in the outfield or at the plate, well, then you have some tough decisions to make. You need to start figuring out who is your right fielder, who is your backup catcher. The fact they moved him off the catching position so quickly either shows me that they're confident in Salvador Perez catching for the next two to three years, or they were never confident in MJ Melendez's catching skills. They thought he could be a little bit better in the outfield, which just isn't showing right now. It does take time for a guy to adjust to a spot. I just don't know how much better he's going to get. He's made some nice diving catches and catches at the wall, but every single advanced metric shows he's not a good defensive outfielder. And every offensive metric shows, eye test and analytics, fan graphs, whatever you use, baseball savant, he's not a good hitter. And he's struggling right now. And it feels like there's a lot of pressing going on. And when there's pressing in Major League Baseball, you're going to have stretches like this. And for young hitters, it becomes mental, and you don't want to derail that young hitter. I think taking some heat, taking some pressure off him, let him go correct some things, is not the end of the world. That doesn't mean you're done with MJ Melendez. It means he needs to fix some things. It means he needs to right some wrongs. Find that power again. If MJ Melendez can do anything in the second half, it would be finding that power. I'd like to see him finish with about 15 home runs this year. And maybe a month in the minor leagues is going to prevent that. But he's at six right now. And he's over twice since early May. That's problematic. For a corner outfield bat, you need the big time power. And he has it. He's shown it in the minor leagues. He showed it last year. He showed the walk rate. And I don't think that approach is where it was last year. He's trying to adjust to pitchers adjusting on him. And that's tough to do. It's really tough to do. But this struggle is going to continue if it's just going to be, well, I got to keep trying. Now, George Brett is the famous saying of try less. Maybe that is what MJ Melendez needs to do because it really looks like he's pressing right now. By every measure, every aspect, he is pressing at the plate. The strikeout numbers are high. And it more so looks defensive than anything. Not in the field. I'm meaning at the plate. A defensive swing. Like he's just trying to put the ball in play. But he's not making much contact. You got to be up there to hit. And I know it sounds stupid and cliche, but you got to be up there looking to put a dent in the ball. That sounds like a little league coach saying it, but I think just dumbing it down a little bit can be great for a guy like MJ Melendez. But we'll see if it's just an all-star break reset, get a week off and then come back in the second half ready to go, or if it will be a reset in Omaha. Either way, I think they're both going to be very good for MJ Melendez. We'll take our final break, and I have another prospect for all of you listening out there. I said my 1A candidate yesterday, that was Kyle Teal. Now I got my 1B candidate, and that's Matt Shaw of Maryland. He's coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. And before we give our deep dive into Matt Shaw, a prospect that I like, going into the Major League Baseball draft. Let's look ahead to tomorrow's show as we will recap that Minnesota series, what we can take from it, and why the Royals just simply can't beat Minnesota. What is the issue there and how can they fix it? I'm going to give you another draft prospect that I like. And then we're going to look into some extension candidates. In my Twitter poll, that finished second place. So I want to give those that voted there a chance to hear my opinion as well on which guys the Royals can really extend or if it makes sense at all right now to extend any players on this roster. But before we go, I want to give a little bit of a dive into Matt Shaw's numbers, the second baseman out of Maryland, and why he's a 1B pick for me. 
when the Royals will be selecting. If Kyle Teal is not there, I think Matt Shaw is going to be there. In fact, if I was to make a gut pick here, go with my gut, go with my heart, I would think that Matt Shaw is going to be available regardless if Kyle Teal's there or not. I think Matt Shaw is going to be there. And Matt Shaw at Maryland this year had a triple slash of 341, 445 with a 697 slug and an OPS of 1.14 tier. That's higher than Kyle Teal's. Now, here's another thing that stands out to me. Despite his size, 24 bombs, 69 RBIs, and nearly 20 stolen bases. I would say the knock as a prospect to him is that he's a second baseman. And that can scare some teams off. Well, he's a second baseman in college. Can he transition to play in any other spot? No, I'm going to go with the shortstop, or I'm going to go with the center fielder. I said this about Kyle Till yesterday. I'm going to say it again about Matt Shaw. You draft the best college hitter at that spot. That is what I'm hoping to see. And if you can see a trend here, one C tomorrow is going to be a college player. And one D or or B1 is going to be a college hitter as well. I don't want the Royals taking a college pitcher. I don't want the Royals taking a prep arm. I'd be okay with a prep position player, a prep catcher like Blake Mitchell. But these are the guys I want first. And a couple of these guys, with the exception of Kyle Tua, I'm not sure if he's going to be there. These guys are going to be there. You could make that selection. Matt Shaw could be your selection. I don't care that he's a second baseman. He's athletic enough that he can move. The power is there. He had a 500-plus foot home run this year. That's the type of pop you have. I get it, aluminum bats. I get it, college baseball, the competition. This is a pick that I would be absolutely fine with. That's a fast riser in your system. That's a guy that can transition from high A to double A to triple A without a ton and mega mega amount of struggle. Oh, it's not even really a term, but we're going to use it anyway. A lot of struggles for Matt Shaw. I, I don't see it in his future. I know it can always happen. I didn't expect Gavin Cross to struggle the way that he has in high A with Quad Cities, but Matt Shaw, to me, is a top three or top four college hitter in this draft. You take him, you're getting a guy that you're not going to have to worry too much about his approach. And that's another thing. If you can't fall in love with the, oh, he's got 24 home runs, right? You can't fall in love with, well, he's got 20 doubles. He's got 20 stolen bases. The big number that sticks out to me, 43 walks, 42 strikeouts. That's in 317 plate appearances. He walks a lot. He doesn't strike out a lot. That's an approach I like. That you don't need to teach them. I know it's an adjustment to professional baseball, but if you've got that power, you've got that speed, that athleticism, sometimes the big strikeout numbers can scare teams away. Because if you're striking out at the college level a lot, it's only going to increase. Right now, Matt Shaw's not striking out a lot. And he's walking a lot. And he's got a lot of power. And he's got a lot of speed. And just because he's a second baseman, I don't care. I want the best pure hitter available. That's why I like Matt Shaw so much. That's why he's 1B on my list here. Matt Shaw really is a guy that I think the Royals should consider. And if Kyle Teal's not there, if Kyle Teal goes 5, 6, or 7, this is my guy. This is the guy I would love to see the Royals go after. Matt Shaw, the second baseman out of Maryland. Now, it's the speed, it's the athleticism, it's the power, it's the walk numbers. All of that the Royals need in their system. I'll tell you who my 1C prospect is tomorrow, as well as a recap of this Minnesota series and which candidates 
can be extension candidates for the Kansas City Royals. I know you already have a couple in your mind, but maybe I'll give you some sleeper picks, if you will, to give an extra shout out to today's title sponsor in Sleeper with Fantasy Baseball. But as for today, that'll wrap up another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Shoot me any questions you may have in regards to the Kansas City Royals. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.